All right, hello, welcome back to Unqualified Analysis, the show that is back in football season, the place where we all know that we belong. All those other sports, they're just filler for football season, baby. We are here, we are back, and it's not going to get old until we're about probably like four weeks into the season, we're just fully in the swing of things. I'll tell you what, ladies and gentlemen, I had a kid at the checkout today while I was just restocking some bananas doing my produce and thing uh, over at the at the self-checkout. There was a kid Looked too old to be riding in a cart, but was riding in a cart. Looked over me at me and said, "You know what? You got big titties. You look like you work out. That's a that's a compliment. You you look you look great in that shirt you got on right now. And you know what? I'm buzzing off of that. I am absolutely buzzing off of that. I don't even know if the kid meant it or he was messing with me, but I'll tell you what. It felt good. Felt good to know that I got big titties and look like I work out because I do. I do work out here from from time to time, at least over the past like you know month or so. Who's counting anyways? Who who's counting anyways? Either either way though. Uh, enough about my big titties. Let's talk about some football, shall we? We have got the NFL Week One full slate of games, and uh, you know what? To start this thing out, we should probably start at the end of the week. So uh, let's just get into it, shall we? And storming out of the gates here, we have got the Buffalo Bills traveling to MetLife to play the New York Jets, a game that is famously on Monday night, September 11th, not September 10th, like I said last week, because I am sometimes an idiot. Um, either way, though, uh, before we even get into the results of the game, uh, four plays into the game, a mere, mere four plays into the game, I'm talking about, I mean, Aaron Rodgers, the whole... The whole world watching, if you will, on on 9-11, a big night in New York, obviously. He runs out of the tunnel ahead of everyone else, holding the American flag, having it fly behind him, running out there, stadium going wild, uh, dapping up Kevin from the office, dapping up Jake Paul beforehand, everything going the, the Jets fans' way. Uh, their dreams had come true on the field before their eyes. They've got a quarterback. That's all they needed for this team to be successful. Four plays in, and his foot gets stuck in the turf. Uh, there's a guy on top of his back. And he tears his Achilles. And, um, yup, that's that's pretty much it. I, the Jets' season's not over, but uh, you got the GOAT, Zach Wilson, coming in there. He threw an interception that looked like just vintage, absolutely vintage Zach Wilson. He's not learned a thing. He probably ran 20 yards behind the line of scrimmage three or four times in this game uh, doing plays where I was just asking myself, what the hell are you doing uh, at the end of this? Um, but yeah, that, that Aaron Rodgers season is done. Uh, they got to figure out what to do at quarterback now. And uh, I'll tell you what, it is absolutely unfortunate that Aaron Rodgers is out. Um, out for the season, that is. I was really looking forward to seeing what this team could do with him at the helm. Because, I mean, the defense, you saw it against the Bills. They are absolutely filthy disgusting. They got maybe the best corner in the entire league in Sauce Gardner. DJ Reed had an interception. I, I think he had an interception. If he didn't have an interception, he did have like some, some good pass deflections in this one. I mean, the, the defense was playing out of their minds. They were killing Josh Allen all night. The offensive weapons, I mean, Allen Lazard looked good. He led the team in receiving. Garrett Wilson had probably the most insane touchdown catch I've seen in my entire life. If you haven't seen it, I highly encourage you to go look it up because, it, like I said, it is maybe the best catch that I've ever seen in my entire life. Um, what the hell was that? My my laptop is singing at me. 
I got to find that ad where it's playing. There it is. That's that's the one problem of opening up the ESPN uh, website on my on my laptop here. They got ads kind of playing that would not be playing on my phone. Not in mid-season form yet. My bad, guys. My bad. Where was I at, though? Oh, yes. Aaron Rodgers. He's done for the season. Absolutely crushing for the Jets fans. Crushing for football fans. It's sad to see. But... At the same time, if we can take a 10,000-foot perspective, obviously, feel sympathy for Aaron Rodgers in this whole thing. I, You hate to see that, especially at age 39. He may never play football again. Now, do I think he's going to go out like that? Absolutely not. I don't think he wants to go out like that. And I think he's going to, I mean, work his ass off to get back in the lineup next season, which will most likely be either his last year or his second to last year. Either way, I think Aaron Rodgers is going to be back, but it sucks that he tore his Achilles like that so early in the season. However, is this not the most Jets way for this all to have played out? To have your dreams, I mean, right in front of you, you can taste it. You can feel that this team is about to turn a corner and about to maybe go on a championship run, if you will. You can just, you can feel it in the stadium. The hope is palpable. It's been there all offseason. You saw it. You got, got to get built up in that uh, hard knocks throughout the preseason. You saw Aaron Rodgers taking command on the field all throughout that hard knocks. You were pumped to see how how this season went and then it's just ripped right out from under you on the first possession four plays in to the first possession of the entire season it's just gone it hopes evaporated just like that I mean this is the most cursed Jets way for it to have gone I mean it is the butt fumble of injuries I'll, I'll say that right there um, not hilarious that he got hurt but you look at a 10,000 foot perspective and take a, a, a long look at the situation. Yes, you hate to see a player get injured, but this is hilarious. I mean, th this is maybe the most Jets way it could have possibly gone. I'm not sure there is a more fitting way for this to have gone, given that it was the New York Jets that it happened to. I, I mean... Almost beautiful in a, in a tragic way. I mean, tragedy can be beautiful in the, in the dramatic sense. I'm taking that approach uh, in this one. What a <laughs> what a way for the, what a scene. What a way for this to have gone. Um, at, and at this point, I think everyone's wondering what do they do at quarterback. Uh, do you roll with Zach Wilson? That would be the popular op. I mean, I don't know about popular, but he's the guy that's that's been in the building, knows the system already. You don't got to teach him anything new. Um, counterpoint, though, he stinks. Uh, he's he was bad last season. Um, he was supposedly developing behind Aaron Rodgers, but he didn't really get a full season to do that. So uh, you look over at what he did last night. Yes, he threw 14 for 21, uh, but you, you could see the way that they ran that offense. And that 14 for 21 was essentially the whole game. They threw the ball 21 times. And you could essentially see, just by the way they were calling it, one, they, they had no faith in, in, in Zach Wilson to get the ball down the field and take care of the football just based on the way that they ran the ball over and over and over again in this one. They ran the ball 28 times, uh, threw the ball 21 times, over half the time they were running it there. Um, not only that, though, when he actually did throw the ball, one, he, he had an, an interception that was clear as day. And like I said earlier, there were times where he didn't throw an interception, where he ran like 20, 25 yards behind the line of scrimmage. He didn't. He definitely didn't know what he was doing. He was just running until he could figure out what he was going to do. And then eventually just threw an incompletion. Uh, a lot of times he was like throwing to a receiver uh, when he was 
almost going out of bounds behind the line of scrimmage. It, he looked bad. He looked like the exact same player he's been uh, since he came into the league. I think we can probably safely say uh, he's a bust if we hadn't already been safely saying that. Uh, with that in mind, though, who do you go out and get? I mean, the free agent class right now of quarterbacks is sad to say the least. There's a reason these guys aren't on a roster. I mean, it's it's Carson Wentz. It's it's Matt Ryan. Uh, you got a retired Philip Rivers out there. You got a retired Ben Roethlisberger. Tom Brady's an interesting one. And if Tom Brady has an opportunity to do one of the funniest things in sports history, uh, if he suits it up, comes back from retirement uh, to play for the Jets and takes the Jets to a Super Bowl, that would be hilarious. That would objectively be the most hilarious thing of all time. Not just because it is it is his former rival within the division, also because the Patriots would have to watch from across the way. Robert Kraft would be sitting over there uh, on his gilded couch watching his 100-inch TV as the Jets hoisted the Super Bowl with the greatest player in his franchise's history quarterbacking that team. That would be hilarious. I would love to see that. He also is a part owner of the Raiders, though, and I'm not sure about conflicts of interest. Also, he is 45 and seems to be semi-happily retired at this point. So I don't think Brady's going to come back, but that would be the most hilarious option. Uh, most realistic option at this point is probably roll with Zach Wilson for a couple weeks while you try and trade for one of the uh, higher-priced backups throughout the league. And I was just kind of listening to a, a list of a couple on uh, Mina Kimes' show, her, her podcast there, Um and there were some there were some good names thrown in there. I mean, the one that pops off like right out of right out of the gate in my mind, Andy Dalton. If you can find a way to pry him out of Carolina, and I don't think they will because I think they probably value having that veteran presence in the quarterback room, uh, kind of helping to guide and mold uh, Bryce Young over there. So I don't think they'll probably pull the trigger on that one. But if you can somehow find a way to get Andy Dalton in the building, that is the guy you need to go after. Because, I mean, he played downright serviceable last season. He's been downright serviceable for his entire career. And with the team that is around that quarterback position, all you need is average. You don't even necessarily need above average to be a playoff contender and still be a Super Bowl contender because the defense is fantastic. I mean, I didn't even talk about Brees Hall. He had 10 carries for like, what, 120 yards? He had an 83 yard, 127 yards, had an 83 yard run in this one. And I'll tell you, he doesn't even look full speed. He wasn't pulling away from the defense. He got caught from behind, which when you're fully, when he's fully healthy, no one's catching Brees Hall from behind. He's a legit 4-3 type of speed guy. Um, and even without that, that top-end speed that he had before the ACL injury, and he'll get that back eventually, but even without that, you could just see the vision. He's making more yards uh, than he really has any right to be getting on a lot of these plays just by his ability to pick through traffic and get more yards than he's expected to. I I mean, I absolutely love what I saw from Brees Hall. And you got the receivers out there. I mean, Lazard, Wilson. Um, there's there's a lot of other players out there. I mean, there uh, Randall Cobb is there. That's a that's a security blanket, if you will. Uh, Tyler Conklin's a solid tight end there. I mean, you got you got weapons all over the field over there. I mean, it's it's an embarrassment of riches. You got to kind of work around the, the the QB play, but everything is in place outside of the quarterback to win for the New York Jets. If you can somehow find a way to get Andy Dalton in the building, I think that would still legitimately make them uh, Super Bowl contenders this year. Um, outside of Andy Dalton, though, there's Jameis Winston over with the Saints. You got Teddy Bridgewater on the bench for the Lions right now. Um, Taylor Heineke's down in Atlanta. Um, 
maybe if you want to get that one that might be the most available one but i think they probably are not overly sold with desmond ritter after week one so you want to keep him in the back pocket just in case you got to go to a guy with a little bit more moxie at quarterback um in Washington, they've got Jacoby Brissett, but kind of same thing. I mean, Sam Howell looked okay in week one, but Jacoby Brissett, I think you probably still keep him around for a little bit just as an insurance policy, but either Jacoby Brissett or Andy Dalton would be really good in this situation, I think. right? Even Teddy Bridgewater, um, Teddy Bridgewater, Jameis, I mean, any of those guys I just mentioned, you could get him on that team and still be at the very least a playoff contender and uh, and go from there. For my money, though, it's it's either Jacoby Brissett or Andy Dalton that needs to be considered uh, if you're trying to trade for a quarterback, which I think is probably the best option right now. Uh, use some mid-round draft capital and uh, go get a guy out in the uh, on the market because Zach Wilson... Simply ain't it. You you cannot keep rolling with Zach Wilson right now. It's it's just not a tenable position to be in. Um, and they got a tough schedule up ahead, man. I think they they play they play the Cowboys next week. They play the Chiefs the week after that, and it just keeps going on and on and on. They're in probably the toughest division in all of football right now. Uh, the margin for error is slim in the AFC East, and I think they just quickly, uh, by the virtue of losing Aaron Rodgers, slip down to last in that division behind the Patriots at this point as far as um, odds of making it uh, as as the uh, division champion in this one. You got to get a quarterback in there. How you do it is probably. I mean, it's it's up to them at this point. But if it were up to me, I would I would make a concerted effort to go after either Andy Dalton or Jacoby Brissett uh, at this point. Um, who's to say what happens though? Wild wild situation. Probably the most Jets way for it all to have turned out. But uh, there was also a game that that happened after that first four plays. And um, I'll tell you what, Josh Allen looked bad. He looked really, really bad. Uh, he came out, was an absolute wild man the whole game. I mean, just the the very first interception. Also, by the way, I think he threw three interceptions in this one. Yeah, three interceptions. All of them were to uh, were to Whitehead. Jordan Whitehead had all three interceptions. Had a two hundred fifty thousand dollar bonus riding on if he got three interceptions throughout the course of the season. Cashing on that on night one of the season. Time to go fucking party, man. You just you just made yourself a whole hell of a lot of money. Maybe go buy yourself uh, a new house in a in a lower sort of uh, tax bracket area, if you will. I mean, live it up, man. You are you are living the life at this point. But uh, Josh Allen, I mean, under six yards per attempt and was tossing it down the field it was not for a lack of effort that's just how good uh, the Jets defense played and I mean they they kind of let Josh Allen fall into his his usual sort of tendencies I think they just kind of let him uh sat back there in coverage didn't let anything come open easy uh just let him sit back there and do what he did and I'll tell you what and back to my point when I was talking about that first interception Josh Allen it was like a third and eight he was running over to the left side of the field, throws all the way back over to the right, like towards the end zone, basically an arm punt. I threw like 70 yards in the air, pretty much. Um, he could have very easily run for the first down on that one or thrown to Dawson Knox, who was like 10 yards away. He he did not have to throw that interception, and he just did it anyways. Uh, there was a different time where I think he ran for it on third down, and I don't know what he was doing. He just, like, jumped up in the air five yards short of the first down. Like, like you could say he was diving for it, but he, he fell a full, like, four yards short. Don't know what that was, but that was just, that was just Josh being Josh at that point. Um, 
it, it's it, it did not look great for Josh Allen last night. And I don't want to overreact to it because he was one of the best quarterbacks in the league last year uh, and, and the year before that as well. Um, he played badly against the Jets last year too, so I'm not really putting too, too much into this, but it was not a good night for Josh Allen. I mean, the running game was... I mean, average pedestrian at best. James Cook had a couple good runs, but Josh Allen once again was the guy that was the, the best rusher on the team. They, they failed to rush for 100 yards as a team. While meanwhile, on the other side, uh, the New York Jets ran for 172 yards, 6.1 yards per carry. And that was without a quarterback that you really trusted to, to get the ball down the field for the entire time. So, I mean... There, the the Bills left something to be desired in the rushing category. I mean, Stephon Diggs did have a hell of a game. I mean, uh, 10 receptions, 102 yards. Um, ended up getting this thing to overtime, though. That that was that was the, the big shocker. They should have absolutely, after Aaron Rodgers came, went down, if Josh Allen just takes care of the ball, they probably run away with this thing and win by double digits. But since Josh Allen was throwing it away... Um, the, the, the Jets actually took the lead in the fourth quarter. They were up 16-13, to 13, and the Bills had to drive down and get the tying field goal, which they did because Josh Allen, he is that type of quarterback where he can just turn it on, and he's got a receiver that he can go to like Stephon Diggs. At this point, they've got such good chemistry that at will they can get that, that, uh, that drive on the board and uh, down the field so they could kick that field goal. But they get into overtime, um, have to punt on the first possession to the Bills, Lo and behold, Xavier Gibson is just sitting back there, catches the punt, uh, makes a move or two, and then all of a sudden he's got daylight. He's going down the sidelines. Zach Martin does the most hilarious attempted tackle. I mean, you could call it an attempt. He basically just like uh, jumped backwards and tried to push uh, Xavier Gibson uh, down on the ground. Hilarious. You absolutely can't have that. I mean, just just dive at his knees. You don't have to make it a good tackle attempt. You have to actually attempt. You can't just uh, jump backwards and push. That's, that's, that's not something you can be doing uh, at that point. Um, John Perry, I'm sick of his ass always, one, defending the refs, and two, just confidently having... Uh, I don't, smart ass isn't the right word, but kind of hoity-toity officiating opinions. Uh, oh, there was a, there was a tripping on that, uh, on that return. Um, shut up, John. <laughs> shut up, John. And if you say an asterisk, I am absolutely, I'm not going to punch you in the face. That, that's, that's not going to happen. I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a lover, not a fighter. I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and, and fight you about a sport here, but it's a, it's a dumb opinion. I, I, and I could get there was a little bit of something there where maybe you could call a trip, but he didn't try to trip him. He he tried to get a, a block on him and missed with his body. Uh, the, got his legs in the way pretty much. And I don't think he got his legs in the way um, on purpose either. It just ended up working out that way. That would have been a ticky tack call if in if in fact it was called. And even if they did call that, you're already in field goal range when that that penalty occurs and. I'm I'm not really um, so much into uh, thinking that would have made a difference. I I do think it, having Xavier Gibson win the game like that was an absolutely electric way uh, to to end it off. Um, but everyone pretty much forgot how the game went because you know the the hopes and dreams of the team died in in the very first possession of the game. So it was an electric win. Might be the last one they get for a, a few weeks here, but uh, watch out for that uh, that that trade at QB. I think they'll. 
I don't know about probably, but I think they should make a trade for one of these these high-end backups in the league because the team is just too good uh, to not at least give it an attempt uh, with, a, with a better quarterback in there. Zach Wilson simply is not it, and I'm looking forward to seeing uh, what they do. Sucks that Aaron Rodgers won't be there, but like I said, maybe the most Jets way possible for it all to have uh, have unfolded. Uh, and with that... Let's get into the rest of the games here. What are we, uh, a brisk 20 minutes into the podcast. I spent a lot of time on that, but so is everyone else. So who am I kidding there? Let's just go chronologically after that one. We've got the um, Detroit Lions coming out and shocking the Chiefs. That's the one. They, they shocked the Chiefs right out of the gate there. Um Chris Jones was not playing. He, by the way, signed a one-year augmented contract uh, throughout the course of this week, so he will be back for week two, uh, so no, no worries there. In this one, though... They didn't need him for most of the game. I mean, the 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 Lions ended up rushing like three and a half yards per carry, so they didn't necessarily need him for the for the most part. But when they did need him on that very last Detroit Lions possession, where they just ran it over and over and over, and the Chiefs just couldn't stop him, that's what lost them the game pretty much because the Lions just just ran out the clock pretty much with that. And if Chris Jones was in there, I think they force a three and out and uh, get the ball back for Patrick Mahomes to do his Patrick Mahomes thing. And then maybe they drive down for a field goal and win this thing. Who's to even say, but that, I think that, that, that final possession alone kind of tipped the scales and be like, all right, we're not going to get a long-term deal done. I don't think, but let's just do a one-year stopgap and just make this thing work right now. Um, they did that. Chris Jones will be back in there, but if and I don't want to keep I don't want to harp on it too much because it's probably been it's been beaten to death at this point. My my God, it happened a week ago from the day that this is coming out, so um, not really much to talk about there. But my, well, my, not really much to talk about that hasn't already been talked about. But to harp on it one more time. The Kansas City Chiefs receivers were terrible. I mean, they were absolutely terrible. If if Patrick Mahomes had just one single receiver uh, that that stepped up to the plate and made a bunch of plays, uh, it would have been a different night. But the leading uh, leading uh, receptions getter was Isaiah Pacheco with four receptions. Uh, Noah Gray and Rasheed Rice were were tied at third for second on the team, or, or tied with three for second on the team. And outside of that, I mean, Kadarius Stoney had an absolutely terrible night, both on Twitter with Giants fans continuing to just assail him with insults, which is always kind of hilarious to watch from afar, but I'm sure it's not the not the most fun thing to endure if you're Kadarius Tony. And on the field, he dropped three or four passes that were legitimately could have been uh, could have been caught, could have been big gains, could have been first downs at, at various points. Um, just coughed up the game. I mean, he wasn't the only one that dropped passes, but uh, the most notable out, out notable one out there uh, to drop passes. Uh, they needed what they needed was Travis Kelsey, but Travis Kelsey was out in this one with a with a bone bruise in his knee. And without Travis Kelsey in there, they got basically nothing. I mean, Marquez Valdez Scantling uh, had a couple big receptions, if you will. Uh, wasn't consistent in this one. Justin Watson, same thing. Had a couple big catches, but uh, wasn't there consistently. It was just a bunch of guys. I mean, throwing to what he didn't throw to Sky Moore basically the entire game. Then they throw to Sky Moore uh, at the end. Basically a miracle pass on like fourth and twenty-five or something like that. Mahomes hits, I mean, basically hits Sky Moore on the hands. 
uh, and Sky Moore just drops it basically game over at that point because the, the, the Lions just ran out the clock from there. Um, but injuries were the story of this game for the Chiefs. I think if they had Travis Kelsey and they had Chris Jones, uh, specifically if they just had Chris Jones, I think they probably could have won this even with uh, the bad receiver play. But not having Travis Kelsey in there, you could really see just how weak the receiving core is for the Kansas City Chiefs. And I think a lot of people view it like Pat Mahomes, similar to Aaron Rodgers over the years, and Tom Brady with the with the the Patriots. Uh, where if you just put like any any Tom, Dick, and Harry around there, just like. Uh, uh, Put, put me out there, for instance, bad shoulders and all. Uh, I could probably catch eight balls on any given night and maybe score a touchdown in there uh, just because that's that's how brilliant Patrick Mahomes is. It just simply wasn't like that on, on Thursday night. It just was not uh, to be, and um, they gotta they got to figure some things out there, and it's not things that you can figure out throughout the course of this year, so... Maybe the Chiefs are looking a little bit vulnerable this year. Maybe next year they go into uh, the first round and maybe draft a um, draft a wide receiver or something like that, or pick one up in free agency. It's going to be interesting to see uh, throughout the course of the season. One, who steps up outside of Travis Kelsey, and two, um, how they fared when it gets later in the season. Is 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 this Chiefs team just by virtue of having Patrick Mahomes and Chris Jones out there uh, just a championship? Um, shoe in no matter what I don't think so this year I think it might be uh, a little bit interesting just based on the weakness of that wide receiver core on the whole but if you have Travis Kelsey in there it's all water under the bridge baby but on the Lions side this was an impressive win it was a gutsy win I mean they had good play across the board uh, Jared Goff wasn't spectacular but he was good enough to win uh, David Montgomery his poor knees are probably killing him today I mean they should probably give the ball to Jameer Gibbs more uh, not just because he's electric but because like David Montgomery is going to implode if you keep giving him uh, 21 carries at three and a half yards uh, per carry um, but also I mean you drafted in um, like 12 overall you got you got to do it at some point right I think they're they'll probably transition to him being more of the the starter uh, as the season goes on but it just it it, it was great for the for the, the Detroit Lions. I think it showed right out of the gates that this is a team that uh, may be the cream of the crop in the in the NFC North this season. And um, looking forward to seeing what they do throughout the course of this season going forward. I think they were they showed some real guts in this one going on the road to the the championship banner raising ceremony in Kansas City and just spoiling the party. I think you, you love to see that uh, from a grip perspective. Dan Campbell's got the boys playing over there in Detroit. What am I looking at right now? What, what am I looking at as far as time is concerned? we got 27 minutes in. Yeah, we'll just keep it moving from there. Um, starting off with the 1 o'clock games now. We got uh, Houston at Baltimore. Houston got absolutely waxed 25 to 29, or 25 to 9, rather, excuse me. Um, Lamar Jackson was... I mean, mostly efficient, did have an interception, but went 17 to 22, 7.7 yards per attempt. Um, didn't really need him to be ultra efficient because they, they scored a bunch of uh, touchdowns on the ground. Um, Lamar Jackson went 6.3 yards per carry on the ground. J.K. Dobbins, by the way, worth noting, he did tear his Achilles in this one. Uh, that, that seems to be a bug that's going around there in week one. But he'll be out for the season, and uh, that one actually might be a career ender. Not for, not for lack of effort from J.K. Dobbins' part, uh, just because... 
he had a, I think he had a big ACL injury uh, that he was coming back from last season or like a big knee surgery, something or other. He's coming from back from last season has a major Achilles injury uh, this season. Uh, tried to get a contract extension done before this the this uh, season started just because um, it was it was one of those things where he's going to be a free agent next next off season. Uh, but with that in mind, coming off an Achilles injury, he might be waiting for a while, and I'm not sure there's going to be a whole lot of uh, takers to take a flyer on him after after just coming off an Achilles injury. Brutal, brutal for J.K. Dobbins, but overall, Ravens take care of business. They didn't look awesome, but one player that did look awesome is Zay Flowers. I mean, nine receptions, 78 yards. He looks like he is everything as advertised. Odell Beckham Jr. was quiet, but 18 and a half yards per catch in this one. I think you got to be encouraged with what you saw there. And I mean, C.J. Stroud, he had a had a fumble that he lost, but you got to get that cleaned up. But that'll happen from time to time, especially playing on a on a uh, not a not a terrible team, but a bad team nonetheless. Not a playoff team, that, that's for sure. Uh, all in all, though, didn't throw a touchdown, didn't throw an interception, five and a half yards per attempt. It looked like a rookie in in his first start in the NFL. Uh, leaned fairly heavily on Nico Collins. He went six receptions, eighty yards. Robert Woods had a solid day at six receptions, fifty-seven yards. And then you know Tank Dell was there as well with three three catches, 34 yards. I mean it was it was not a great day for the Houston Texans, but at the very least C.J. Stroud did not look Zach Wilson esque. That's that's the main thing. He got sacked five times, which you don't love to see, but at the same time he didn't absolutely tank the team. It was just Baltimore uh, being head and shoulders better than what the Houston Texans are at the end of the day. Um, gotta, I mean, you gotta be at the very least optimistic with what you saw from C.J. Stroud if you are a Houston Texans fan. Uh, you, you aren't over the moon because it wasn't a, a spectacular day, but you're not you're not really through the floor either. I think you're somewhere in the middle, being like, okay, maybe we can we can get this thing going at some point with C.J. Stroud. Week one is is hard uh, for for basically any guy in there, but let's keep it moving because we. Only have so much time, and we got to get the next week's games as well. So, uh, Cincinnati got blown off the field by the Cleveland Browns, twenty-four to three. That Cleveland Browns defense under under Jim Schwartz looks elite. I mean, Miles Garrett was lining up over the center, just doing doing air crossovers. Um, Hopefully he's not relapsed in playing basketball again. I, I think they, I think the Cleveland Browns put the kibosh on that a uh, few off seasons ago when he was dunking on equipment trainers or whatnot. Um, but you know, hopefully uh, for the sake of his health, he hasn't relapsed and started playing basketball off the field again. But that was just a hilariously disrespectful thing to do, especially to a division rival. I mean, you're so comfortable, uh, so confident that you're going to beat this guy, the, the center, uh, that you're just pra practicing your, your your crossover on air before the ball was snapped. And oh, by the way, when the ball was snapped, he did beat the center. He, he absolutely blew by him as the ball uh, was snapped too. So and it's one of those things where, yeah, you go ahead and talk your shit and do what you want so long as you are, are absolutely dominating. And Miles Garrett is one of the most dominant defensive players in the in the entire league. Maybe the best pass rusher in the league at this point, right up there with with the, the Micah Parsons, TJ Watts of the world. He is he's spectacular. And I mean there's there's there are stars all over that defense. I talked about it in, in the preview leading up to the season. I mean, they got they got Denzel Ward out there at cornerback. Uh, they got Jeremiah Wusu Koromoa, who is a, a football nerd's dream. I think 
I, I think the world of, of Jeremiah Wusu Koromoa, not just because he has a very fun name, but because he's an absolute monster on the field. They got a really good defensive line, really good front seven, good good secondary. Uh, they got a very solid defensive coordinator in Jim Schwartz, a guy that's going to blitz the hell out of every every quarterback that he, he faces up against. Maybe these uh, maybe these Browns are actually legit this year. I mean, uh, Deshaun Watson. I don't think he played great in this one. Uh, take a look at it. I mean, yeah, sixteen of twenty nine, uh, one hundred fifty four yards, a touchdown, uh, an interception. Did run for a touchdown though. So I mean, hey, uh, good for him. Still a nasty man, but that's besides the point. But even outside of Deshaun Watson, his Deshaun Watson's job is going to be made easier because they have maybe the best running back in the entire NFL right now, Nick Chubb, who is just impossible to bring down, uh, elusive in, in his own way, just running through tackles and whatnot. Um, he had 18 carries, 106 yards, didn't run for a touchdown in this one, but was just Dominant, just dominant uh, throughout the course of the of the of the game, and uh, he might. I mean, he's going to be the focal point of the offense once again, just because that's that's how it built. It's built, but I mean, new guy in town, Elijah Moore uh, of piss and miss fame, uh, now on the Cleveland Browns. He led the team in receiving yards. That's a guy that you were hoping would step up right away. Seems like he's doing that. Uh, still got Amari Cooper. Still got David and Joku. Nick Chubb can catch the ball out of the backfield. I mean, they've got a they got a good group. Also, Donovan P. Peoples Jones, old Donnie Peeps, didn't even talk about him. Uh, probably their number one receiver throughout the course of last season because Amari Cooper went down. Uh, he's back there as well. So they got all of a sudden really deep offense, probably the best offensive line uh, in the entire league. Uh, who is it? Uh, someone went down for him with an ACL injury whose whose name escapes me right now. I think it's it's their it's their tackle. I want to say I, I forget the guy's name uh, for for the life of me. And um, I gotta I gotta look this up, man. I can't just I can't just let that go. I uh, can't just let that go at this point. Hold on, hold on here, ladies and gentlemen. I gotta I gotta look up who the Browns' offensive lineman was who tore their ACL. Uh, Browns O line ACL. There you go. Jack Conklin. Jack Conklin is the one that tore his ACL. One of the best tackles in the entire league. So you hate to see that, but I think you still got Wyatt Teller on on the on the field as well. The rest of the offensive line is still one of the best in all of football. Um, you got a fantastic back there in Nick Chubb, and no, you do not have uh, the the one two of of Chubb and Hunt to chunt people to death anymore. But Jerome Ford is is solid, serviceable. Um, wasn't awesome in this one, but you you still have him. Um, all you really need is Nick Chubb, though, and Jerome Ford just there to kind of take away some reps from Nick Chubb so you don't just absolutely run him through the ground. They got that in the backfield. They got a really solid receiving core. I mean, this Browns team, uh, I've said it before, I'll say it again many times, I imagine. The, the kitchen is hot in the AFC North. They might be towards the top. It all just kind of depends on how the nasty man plays at quarterback. And, um, yeah, I... I have no opinions. He still doesn't look great in, in this offense after coming back from uh, doing the things that he did and being accused of, of doing. Um, and we'll just keep it moving from there. Uh, they win 24-3, though, so that's good for them. Ah, yes, the, the Vikings ripped my heart out. Uh, they lost 20-17 to to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who you may remember me picking to get the number one overall pick. 
Um, life is pain. Existence is suffering. Uh, Baker Mayfield didn't even play well in this one. I mean, no, he did not turn the ball over, but he had five yards per attempt, uh, 173 yards. Um, only got sacked once for, for four yards, which is, it is troubling to say the least. Um, Mike Evans kind of carried this one, though, quite frankly. I mean, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin kind of carried this one. Um, Mike Evans had 66 yards and a touchdown. Chris Godwin had five uh, receptions, 51 yards, which doesn't sound like a lot, but it was it, it was some solid production based on everyone else on the field over there. I mean, no one really even looked good for the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I mean, Antoine... Antoine Winfield recovered a fumble by by Aaron, not Aaron Rodgers, uh, Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins, by the way, fumbled the ball twice and lost both fumbles. So, again, life, pain, existence, suffering, you get it. Um, I mean, really, the defense played well for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Devin White was was playing out of his mind. Uh, I don't know who this Christian Izian is, but he he got an interception uh, over there at the goal line, mind you, on a, on a last minute drive to end the half in the in the first half for the the Minnesota Vikings. So that's just Kirk being Kirk sometimes. But I mean, the frustrating part is that it's not like Kirk Cousins even really had a terrible game. He completed seventy five percent of his passes, three hundred forty four yards. Two touchdowns, one interception, 7.8 yards per attempt. This is the maddening thing about Kirk Cousins and why people just fail to believe you when you say that maybe he's not the greatest quarterback in the world, is he will put up these dazzling numbers, but the main thing is he turned the ball over three times. He lost two fumbles, threw a terrible interception at the goal line at the end of the half, which if he would have just thrown an incompletion, maybe we go to overtime instead of just having... A 20-17 to 17 loss when it was all said and done. Uh, lo and behold, doesn't happen, though. So here we are. I don't want to get into a whole Kirk Cousins diatribe. I think I've kind of warmed up to him being the, the starter on this team. The biggest problem, and it was the biggest problem coming into the season, is that we got no running game whatsoever. Alexander Madison averaged 3.1 yards per carry, uh, got 34 yards on the day. Um, Kirk Cousins was your second leading rusher at seven yards uh, total. As a team, they ran for 2.4 yards per carry. Only ran the ball 17 times in a close game. And I... Call me old-fashioned, but... And I, and I get that Alexander Madison was not playing well, but you got to run more than 17 times. I, I, I get that... Uh, Kevin O'Connell's got a good offense. It was good last season. I really like what I saw from him last season. But only 17 running yards in, or 17 rushing attempts in a close game does not make a whole lot of sense to me. And I, I get it. We're a terrible running team this year. Um, I would love to see them go out to, and sign Kareem Hunt. Morals be damned. That, that incident with him kicking over a girl in a hotel, that was like, I don't know, like five, six years ago at this point, it's it's water under the bridge. You know what? Go out and sign Kareem Hunt. I would love him to start over literally everyone the Minnesota Vikings have right now. So, yep, go go get him. I'm tired of seeing Alexander Madison on my screen, which by the way, I didn't I didn't see it on my screen because um I am I'm in I'm in work hell and I have to work on weekends now because it, that's that's just life. That's just life. At the very least, I'm not working late nights, and I can I can watch the the, the second half of the four o'clock games and all of the night games. So that's 
take that for what it is. That's that's you know that's a nice little consolation prize. But it does make me feel a whole lot better when I miss my uh, miss my Vikings play on on TV. I I digress on that front though. Uh, go go sign up Kareem Hunt or something like that. I, I would love to see that. Justin Jefferson had a hell of a first half. I mean, ended up with like 150 yards. Like 130 of that was in the first half. Uh, kind of disappeared through no fault of his own in the second half. Jordan Addison had himself a hell of a of a rookie debut. Uh, four receptions, 61 yards. Uh, caught a touchdown pass in this one. Um, also, T.J. Hawkinson had some running back numbers at, uh, at, at at tight end there. Had eight receptions, 35 yards for this one, a solid 4.4 yards per reception. He may catch 100 balls and end up with like 800 yards in the season just because of how he is used in this in this system with Kirk Cousins basically just being uh, a security blanket when it's all said and done. I mean, Josh Oliver, the blocking tight end, only had three receptions, but only had three less yards than TJ Hawkinson of uh, three receptions for 32 yards when it was all uh, said and done. Uh, overall, I mean, it, it's kind of what I expected from, from the Vikings in this one. I mean, it's Daniil Hunter looked fantastic. He had a sack, two two TFLs, uh, batted a pass as well. Uh, he he was all over the field. Ivan Pace, that undrafted rookie free agent, I was telling you about that guy. He is he was awesome in this one. He was second on the team in tackles uh, with eight. Cameron Bynum being uh, the safety, he was uh, he he was number one on the team. Um, I mean they they looked good throughout this one. Um, they, they did. They just turn the ball over too many times. You got to cut down on the turnovers. Otherwise, you're never going to get anywhere. Um, I don't think they turned the ball over once. Uh, the, the the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So that that's not great. You don't love to see that if if you're a Vikings fan, anyways. Um, it it just is what it is at this point. You can't. You can't dwell on it, I suppose. You just move on to week two where we face, oh yeah, the Philadelphia Eagles on Thursday night. That's going to be, that's going to be, it's going to be fun. Going to be, going to be awesome. It, it is going to be, it, it will be fun. Fun will be had by all. I hate my life. Uh, let's keep it moving. Let us keep it moving here. Already talked about that one. Ah, yes, the, the Tennessee Titans went to New Orleans and just had themselves a rock fight. They lost it 15-16, to 16, but I would anticipate a lot of these sorts of games from uh, from Mike Vrabel's squad this year. They don't have a very good offense. Ryan Tannehill looked abjectly terrible in this one uh, through three interceptions. Uh, Derrick Henry uh, didn't really have that... Um, that big time long run that you kind of see him uh, pad up his stats on it later in the fourth quarter. Uh, 15 carries, uh, 63 yards, 4.2 yards per carry. Rookie Tajay Spears had three carries for 27 yards. You got to be excited about that. Maybe something that it becomes more of a one-two punch instead of just all Derrick Henry this season. Might might want to be excited about that one, I suppose. But I mean. Outside of that, I mean, it, New Hopkins looked good in his first game. I mean, seven receptions, 65 yards, exactly what you would expect from DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, Nick Westbrook, Akine was okay, I suppose. Derrick Henry actually had uh, two receptions for 56 yards out of the backfield, so maybe not didn't have that big run, but ended up with 100 all-purpose yards. Maybe he's not quite over the hill just yet. Uh, I hope not. Love to see Derrick Henry at the height of his powers. He's just getting up there in age, so you never know about these sorts of things. Hopefully he's back in, in full swing. Um, 
They just they just couldn't quite find the end zone when it was all said and done. I don't think a lot of that had to do with with Ryan Tannehill. I, I didn't I didn't really uh, come out being very impressed with what I saw from Ryan Tannehill in this one. But I don't think Derek Carr looked that much more impressive. I guess I mean twenty three of thirty three, uh, three hundred five yards, uh, nine point two yards per attempt. So I mean right there, not bad. If you're getting nine yards per attempt, you are absolutely slinging the pill at basically uh, any level of football. But only one touchdown, uh, one interception, didn't fumble. So, I mean, it was just like, it was just a classic sort of average Derek Carr day, kind of ho-hum. The big problem was they didn't run the ball effectively at all. Only 2.6 yards per carry as a team. Uh, Jamal Williams currently starting, ooh, excuse me, in place of Alvin Kamara while he's serving that three-game suspension to start the year. He went like 18 carries, 45 yards. He's an absolute sledgehammer when you need him to be, but um, maybe not the most dynamic guy against a, a really vaunted rushing defense uh, like you got with Mike Vrabel. And I think that's kind of the, the, the calling card here is a lot of bend but don't break with Mike Vrabel. They're going to stone you at the line on the rushing yards. Maybe you're going to get some passing yards, but when you get in the red zone, they're just going to force you to uh, play play uncomfortable pretty much yes they ended up getting that one touchdown which really ultimately was the difference in the game Rashid Shahid got that touchdown um but really throughout the day the story was just the Tennessee Titans holding up and bending but not breaking over and over again except for that one slip up in the third quarter where they they gave up the touchdown outside of that I mean it was it was just a really good defensive performance from uh, from Mike Vrabel's group, and I would expect that over and over again. This is like they don't have a great roster, like I said in the in the uh, the preseason lead up here, but I don't think they're going to be like a terrible team. I don't think they're going to have a terrible record just because of the way Mike Vrabel coaches his team and specifically coaches that defense to always just kind of keep them in games, uh, make it a rock fight every day out there, just so you can stay in the game, which is kind of I think what they need to do this season. Um, so I don't think the Tennessee Titans are probably going to be a playoff team, but seven and ten, eight and nine, certainly not out of the question. And I, I still feel that way after after uh, observing this game from afar. Um, receivers wise for the New Orleans Saints, they might have something here. Uh, first off, Michael Thomas healthy for now. Hopefully it stays that way. It kind of uh, didn't work out that way last season, but we'll see what happens there. Uh, he had five receptions, sixty one yards. Uh, second year guy Rashid Shahid, uh, one of the more fun names in all of, of the of the NFL this season. I mean. Uh, five receptions, 89 yards. I had that touchdown. Chris Olave looked like everything he was being hyped up to be coming into his second season. Eight receptions, 112 yards. He looks like that legitimate number one guy that you can go to. Juwan Johnson had a couple solid receptions in this one. Uh, three for 36 when it was all said and done. They got some good pieces in place to maybe go out there and get something done on offense. I think they just kind of faced up against a, I mean, maybe not a juggernaut unit in the Tennessee Titans, but it's just a really well-coached, well-schemed-up defense uh, by Mike Vrabel and company over there. And they got a gutsy win out of it. That's really all you can ask for uh, as a Saints fan. You come out of it with a win. It wasn't pretty, but you got the job done when it was all when it was all uh, uh, done and settled. So there you have it right there. Tennessee Titans starting 0-1, but I think they'll end up winning some games that we don't expect them to win throughout the course of this season. 
Uh, with that said, let's get to the next one here. Carolina got beat soundly by the Atlanta Falcons 24-10. Bijan Robinson, his first touchdown in the NFL was an absolute highlight play. He catches a swing pass, makes a couple guys miss, and walks into the end zone uh, by virtue of making those guys miss. He's going to be an absolute force of nature in this offense. There's a reason they drafted him 8 overall. He had, I mean, he was an all-purpose machine. Uh, him and Tyler Algier had roughly similar sort of uh, out puts uh, as, as far as uh, touches go. I think Bijan Robinson had 16 touches. Tyler Algier had 18 touches. I mean, 15 uh, rushes for Algier, three catches for, for him as well. Bijan Robinson had six catches in this one, including that touchdown. And as a team, they rushed for five yards per carry. Uh, both Bijan Robinson and Tyler Algier were above five yards per carry in this one. They just looked like their efficient selves in this one. They looked very good. Desmond Ritter, I mean, completed 15 of 18 passes. Didn't look fantastic in this one. I'll, I'll say that. Uh, wasn't, wasn't the greatest day of all time for Desmond Ritter, but did not turn the ball over. Um... Had a fumble, but recovered it. Didn't throw an interception. Threw one touchdown. And I think with the way that Arthur Smith calls an offense, that's pretty much all he needs to do throughout the year for the Atlanta Falcons to win a bunch of games this year. And I think their defense is good enough this year to kind of keep them in the game. The offense will, I think, under Arthur Smith, it, only, it has a very high floor. And um, I think as long as Desmond Ritter just plays average throughout the year, I mean, I've said it. I, I picked them to win this division coming into the year, and I still feel the same way. I think the Atlanta Falcons are just, uh, I mean, maybe not the greatest team in the world, but in that division, I think they are going to win and uh, keep it rolling from here going forward. Um, on the other side, though, I mean, Bryce Young, boy, it was it, it was a rough day. It was a rough day for Bryce Young. He ended up with a a robust uh, 3.8 yards per passing attempt in this one. Uh, went 20 of 38, 146 yards, a touchdown, two interceptions. Had a couple nice runs in this one. Really one nice run for, for 16 yards in this one, but uh, just did not look great. It looked like he was a rookie out of the gates, which is kind of what you expect. Um, on the plus side, at the very least, I mean, Chuba Hubbard and Miles Sanders looked solid in this one. They ran 4.8 yards per carry as a team. Um, ran... 70 plays which you got to be you got to be kind of excited about they, they ran like I'm, I mean my god I mean look at the play count over here for the the Atlanta Falcons they had 44 plays compared to uh, 70 for the Panthers if you just look at that I mean you think the Panthers probably could have, have dominated this one so it's not all bad when it's when it's said and done but I mean Miles Sanders did fumble the ball um, the, the defense didn't look awesome in this one. You had a couple sacks. Derek Brown looked like a beast in this one. A sack, two tackles for loss. I mean, Brian Burns had two sacks right out of the gate. So, I mean, defense didn't look terrible. Offense was pretty bad when it was all said and done. Maybe the Panthers aren't a, a playoff team this year, but I don't think they're that bad when it when it's when it's all said and done. I think they're, they're solidly okay. They are solidly okay. And uh, that's that's really all you can take away from this. I don't think they're going to win the division, though. I think this is more of just a uh, uh, more of just a, a development year, especially with Bryce Young in there. Um, maybe maybe see if they make a move to uh, to send old Andy Dalton out there uh, to the New York Football Jets. Let me take a quick sip of this uh, ice cold caffeinated beverage. Who doesn't pay me? 
and until they until they pay me, no free shout outs. I'll, I'll say that. No free shout outs. That's that's just how we roll in here. So I'm gonna be I'm gonna be having anonymous uh, caffeinated beverages till the end of time, pretty much is what I'm saying. Um yeah, I, I think that's pretty much all I need to say about the Atlanta Falcons. Kyle Pitts, I mean twenty two yards per catch in this one, didn't have a whole lot of uh uh, catch production only had two catches, but made the most of them with with 44 yards total. I think he might have a he might be in line for a breakout year. Maybe this is finally the year that Kyle Pitts uh, realizes the potential that we all saw coming out of Florida, being just a, a physical freak uh, at tight end. One one thing to note here is that Jonu Smith did not have a a single reception in this one. He was used almost exclusively uh, as a blocker. I would say. And uh, that's kind of that's kind of the sweet spot. Uh, taking Kyle Pitts out of the blocking a little bit more, splitting him out, using him as a receiver like he's kind of meant to be used as. Um, you got Desmond Ritter at least being serviceable back there, throwing the ball. Atlanta Falcons, like I said before, they are looking every bit uh, the division uh, favorite as I expected them to be coming into this season. They probably look the best in that division uh, coming out of the this week one. Uh, moving over to the AFC South, though, we have got the Jaguars uh, beating the Colts comfortably 31-21. to uh, Just a couple notes here uh, because, my, my God, we've got, I mean, already running up on an hour, and we have, we have not even really scratched the surface of this thing, so I might have to hit the, hit the warp speed on this. Uh, Trevor Lawrence looked fantastic, 24 of 32. Um, uh, two touchdowns, one interception. Travis Etienne looked good. Basically, they, they looked as advertised in this one, and Calvin Ridley, he's going to have himself a monster year, and I think he might be the weapon that puts Trevor Lawrence over the top. He had eight receptions for 101 yards and a touchdown in this one. I mean, Zay Jones looked good. Uh, Travis Etienne actually caught five balls out of the backfield, which you got to be encouraged about. Everett Ingram looked good. Uh, Christian Kirk only had one reception, but when everyone else is eaten, doesn't necessarily matter. Uh, Tank Bigsby did turn the ball over, but he had a, a, a touchdown as well. Weren't efficient necessarily on the ground outside of Travis Etienne, but uh, they they had a lot of good good reps when it was all said and done. Um, the offense looked fantastic in this one. Uh, defense might be leaving a little bit of something to uh, to be desired when it's all said and done, but Fosada Luikin had 13 tackles in this one, absolute tackle machine. Josh Allen, the defensive end, not the quarterback, had three sacks in this one. <laughs> Excuse me. Excuse me. I had to get that sneeze out of there. It was just just beckoning to come on out. Um, I mean, all, overall, not, I guess not a terrible sort of day for the defense. I mean, Trevon Walker, last year's number one overall pick, got a sack in this one. You're hoping he continues that sort of uh, that sort of pace throughout the course of the season, but uh, eh, not not the greatest day overall. Tyson Campbell did end up getting a, an interception off of Anthony Richardson in this one, but. The offense is really what, what impresses you in this one. They ended up getting four sacks as a team, six tackles for loss as a team, defended five passes, got six QB hits. I mean, they were they were all over the field. They just ended up giving up 21 points to a indie offense that I'm not super keen on, quite frankly. But that's kind of the way that's, that I think it's going to go this season for the uh, for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Fantastic offense, uh, defense that you just kind of hope they rush the passer and make some plays down the stretch, and that's that's really what they did. Uh, on the Colts side, though, 
you gotta be you gotta be encouraged with what you saw from Anthony Richardson of of the of the rookie quarterbacks this week. He probably had the best day, and it still wasn't a great day, but it was it was something where you can be very optimistic going forward. I mean, uh, 24 to 37, uh, 223 yards, uh, a touchdown through the air, a touchdown on the ground, uh, one interception uh, that he threw to Tyson Campbell. Uh, the, the real difference maker, I think was not Anthony Richardson as far as losing this game. I mean, Deion Jackson lost two fumbles. That is an absolute soul crusher, a heartbreaker. I mean, especially in a game where you get a, I think you got a touchdown from DeForest Buckner as well on a fumble recovery. I mean, you hate to see that. You, you just hate to see that it coming down to um, that guy. But I mean, your number one back pretty much, he only had 14 yards on 13 carries uh those those two fumbles it was an abysmal day on the ground outside of anthony richardson in this one and i think that's going to be that's going to be a theme for the colts as long as jonathan taylor isn't in there quite frankly they don't have a whole lot of talent back there um but with what they got right now i mean at the very least anthony richardson looked good michael Pittman looks like your number one receiver still so uh, good for you there. Eight receptions, 97 yards, and a touchdown. Just a ho-hum day for uh, Michael Pittman Jr. So he's still there. He's still doing well. Uh, Josh Downs, the rookie, looked good in this one. Only three catches, but flashed. Had a, had a 22-yard um, completion in this one. So uh, the, the Colts aren't a great team. They aren't a, they aren't a good team even, but uh, offensively, I think you, you've seen enough to think, okay, Anthony Richardson's going to be put in position to uh, develop, if nothing else, this season. Um, Zaire Franklin was an absolute tackling machine once again in this one. He had 17 tackles in this game. Just an absolute freak. Uh, Shaquille Leonard had eight, eight tackles for a second on the team. Uh, DeForest Buckner got a sack in this one, got a couple QB hits, scored that touchdown, like I said before. He got some flash, but... Uh, that that's secondary not looking not looking uh overly exciting I'll, I'll say that right now i mean tony brown did get an interception but gave up 31 points and a lot of that coming through the air not the not the greatest day in the world but i mean uh good enough to be serviceable if nothing else i mean they did give up 31 points so how serviceable are they really but i digress uh, I don't know if we actually learned anything from this game outside of uh, the Jaguars might be legit this year. That might be a really fun offense to watch. Might be everything that we thought it would be and more uh, coming into this one. Trevor Lawrence and, and Calvin Ridley. Boy, that might be a treat for everyone to watch throughout the course of the season. But let's keep it moving so we don't run up too much on like a two-hour uh, episode here. Um, we'll keep this one brief. The San Francisco 49ers are legit. Once again, Brock Purdy looked healthy, and they beat the absolute piss out of the, the Pittsburgh Steelers 30-7. to I mean, the Steelers, they just looked awful throughout the course of the entire game. Kenny Pickett looked bad. Uh, Najee Harris, in his few attempts, looked okay, but... No one else really flashed. They only ran the ball 10 times throughout the course of the game because they were behind the whole time. Uh, Kenny Pickett was the one really toting the rock in this one, not carrying the ball, just tossing it downfield. And um, that offense looked just, just pitiful. I mean, Allen Robinson, good for him, five receptions, 64 yards. But you lost Deontay Johnson in this one as well with a hamstring injury. He'll be out for probably the next uh, several weeks. Um Calvin Austin looked okay. George Pickens looked all right, but they got absolutely worked, absolutely manhandled in this one. Um, defensively, it is worth noting. T.J. Watt had three sacks. 
Uh, and Landon Roberts had two tackles for loss, so it wasn't all bad there. Your, your best players are still your best players when it's all said and done. Uh, the problem is they just ran into an absolute buzzsaw. I mean, the San Francisco 49ers, like I said, Brock Purdy looked like Brock Purdy. Once again, had two touchdown passes, no turnovers, 19-29. Um, he was efficient. Christian McCaffrey, the, stir, the straw that stirs the drink when it's all said and done in this offense, 152 yards on the ground, 6.9 yards per carry. Nice. Had a 65-yard touchdown at one point in this one. He looked dominant as usual. And Brock Purdy, by the way, three carries for 20 yards. He can move. He can absolutely move. Don't be don't be fooled by his lack of melanin. He can, in fact, uh, run and tote the rock if you need him to and be smart with the ball when it's all said and done. I've said when it's all said and done too many times in this episode. I'm going to cut it out. Cut it out. Um, as far as the receivers go, I mean, Brandon Ayuk looked fantastic in this game too. Uh, caught the two touchdown passes from Brock Purdy. Had 129 yards. Debo Samuel didn't quite have the uh, the rushing output that he usually has. Uh, probably just because they were up by so much. Don't want to overuse him early in the season. But uh, five receptions for 55 yards. He was looking dynamic, and that's pretty much all they needed. Quite frankly, was those two at the top. They just they just ran away with this thing because. I mean, the defense looked as dominant as they ever have. Drake Jackson had three sacks. Uh, Javon Hargrave had a sack in his first game as a San Francisco 49er. Him coming over, obviously, uh, from the Philadelphia Eagles, signing that massive contract in the offseason. Kerry Hyder had a sack as well. They had five sacks as a team, eight tackles for loss, uh, nine QB hits in this one. They were just bullying, absolutely bullying Kenny Pickett the entire day. Um... Dre Greenlaw, Fred Warner, still there. Both of them getting tackles for loss in this one. Talanoa Hufanga coming in as a safety, getting a tackle for loss. I mean, they look every bit as strong as they have over the last several seasons under this new defensive coordinator, Steve Wilkes. Um, the San Francisco 49ers, they're the best team in the NFC. There's, I mean, between them and the Cowboys, who we'll talk about here in just a bit, uh, and the Eagles, I suppose. It's really those three and then everyone else, and I think the San Francisco 49ers have probably the best roster in all of football right now. It is it is just an absolute juggernaut buzzsaw that you do not want to face on any given week, I'll tell you that right now. Let's keep it moving, though. The Arizona Cardinals looked feisty in this one, but ended up losing to the Commies 20-16. to uh, Sam Howell looked about as average as you can be. I mean, 19 of 31, 202 yards, 6.5 yards per attempt, one touchdown, one interception. Did lose a fumble as well, so he was a one touchdown to two turnover a day. You're, you're going to want to be better than that, but it is what it is. They did win uh, in opening week, and it was, you know, he's a young QB. We'll see how he progresses throughout the course of this season. As, I've, as I said before in the context of Aaron Rodgers, Jacoby Brissett's just sitting there. Right? So if Sam Howell doesn't work out, Jacoby Brissett can come in and play some serviceable QB. I think the Washington, Washington Commanders have a solid team this year. That offensive line is a problem. Uh, Howell was sacked six times, and I would imagine that's going to be a theme throughout the year. They are not good on the offensive line. It, it showed in both the running game and the pass protection. They only ran for uh, three yards per carry in this one. Brian Robinson was just running into a buzzsaw every time out there. But uh, you got to be, I mean, at the very least, optimistic with what you saw from the, the receivers. I think Curtis Samuel played well, uh, five receptions, 54 yards. Logan Thomas got four catches, 43 yards. Jahan Dotson looked good. Uh, Terry McLaurin. Uh, nursing a toe injury that I think kind of limits his effectiveness, but he had a couple solid catches in this game. So, 
It wasn't pretty. The, the Cardinals made it kind of a rock fight throughout the course of this one, but you get the job done. Uh, all water under the bridge at this point. And uh, the Cardinals, the, the Cardinals is, is the Cardinals. What else do you want me to say? Um, they had one uh, shot explosive from uh, from Marquise Brown in this one with like a, a carry for 29 yards. Uh, outside of that, though, not great on the ground. Josh Dobbs had 4.4 yards per passing attempt. Rondell Moore was your leading receiver with uh, three receptions for 33 yards. 31 of those 33 yards came on one play. Probably a shot. Pew, pew, pew. Explosives. Shots. That's probably where it came from uh, for Rondale Moore. Uh, obviously, Jonathan Gannon, defensive guy, but I know you know he dialed that up. You, you get that. Um, Josh Dobbs actually lost two fumbles in this one. You just you simply can't have that. Um, and yeah, the defense is playing with their hair on fire. Kaiser White in his first uh, first game with the Cardinals had himself a good one for you know nine tackles, a, a tackle for loss. Uh, Kayvon Wallace had a, had two passes defense. I mean, they had some good players, but the, the the Cardinals are just maybe the worst roster in all of football this season. They're they're not good. Uh, the Commanders eke one out. Have to see how they fare in that division this year, but a win is a win. Week one, a lot of things change, man, from week one going forward. Hell, even after the first three weeks. I mean, think back to last season. The Chicago Bears started 2-1, and one, and they ended up, as you may remember, with the worst record in the league and holding the number one pick until they traded away to the Carolina Panthers. So, let's not take too much uh, stock in these games right now. It is week one. These teams are not... Uh, finished products and they might be fooling you with some play here in the early season which is kind of just maybe above their heads of what they might play throughout the course of this season but I think I could probably safely say the Cardinals stink and I'm not really sure about the Washington Commanders so let's just keep it moving on from here. Uh, we got the Las Vegas Raiders eking one out against the uh, against the Broncos. Good first half for Russell Wilson just kind of petered out down the stretch. Um, and it ended up 27 for 34, 177 yards, a little over five yards per passing attempt. Two touchdowns, no interceptions, uh, no turnovers on the whole. So, I mean, better than what we saw all of last season for Russell Wilson. So that's really take solace in that. Uh, Javante Williams looked solidly eh coming back from that ACL injury. You know, 13 carries, 52 yards. Also had Samaje P. Ryan going five yards per carry on, on eight, eight attempts. So you do the quick math, that's... Uh, 40 yards, 41 yards actually. Um, as a team, wasn't super, super productive. Uh, ended up with 94 yards on the ground, no touchdowns. Um, Raiders played well defensively in this game. I think they, they held them mostly in check. Samaje Piran was the leading um, leading uh, receiver in this game, as, as well as the, the second leading rusher. So that should tell you uh, pretty much what they were they were doing as far as the uh, the offense was concerned in this one. Very um, very very conservative throughout the course of this game. Uh, shout out to little Jordan Humphrey, by the way. He's usually a special teams guy. Got a, got a touchdown catch in this one, and he's on the active roster for a second straight week. So uh, good for him coming in here, making a, uh, making a name for himself, not just on special teams, because he is a special teams maven. Uh, very, very good gunner. Love to see him getting some, uh, some offensive shine. But that's really, you know, outside of that, Kind of a, a meh day on offense overall for the, the Denver Broncos. And, I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo, he looked like Jimmy Garoppolo. 20 of 26, 7.7 yards per attempt, two touchdowns, an interception. Uh, didn't fumble. He did fumble the ball. He just didn't lose the fumble. So uh, there is that. Um, 
outside of that, I mean, really it was just, it was a tough day on the ground, mainly more than anything. They got 2.1 yards per carry as a team, did the Raiders. Uh, Josh Jacobs, uh, 2.5 yards per carry, 48 yards on the day. Um, Jimmy Garoppolo ran the ball nine times for whatever reason. Don't know why they did that. He's not exactly a running quarterback. He's just handsome. He can't run. I don't, I don't know what you're talking about here. Uh, maybe he was just scrambling out of the pocket. Who's to say? Um, they don't have a very good offensive line, so that would make sense. I didn't watch this game, though, so I can't say for certain. Um, a lot of the big-time players were, well, really all the big-time players on offense were in the receiving core, quite frankly. Jacoby Myers had himself a hell of a debut as a Las Vegas Raider in nine receptions, 81 yards. Both of Jimmy Garoppolo's touchdowns in this one, he looked really good. Uh, Devontae Adams had six receptions for 66 yards. Um, he'll he'll get back into it. He will he'll have some big uh, games throughout the course of this year. But he's still the exact same player he's been over the over the course of the last I don't know five to seven years um, that he's been around uh, either with the Green Bay Packers or with the Las Vegas Raiders. Now he is who he is. Um, but hey, the Raiders came out here got a gutsy win. Uh, even with their their number one tackler being Nate Hobbs, who I believe is a cornerback, not necessarily an indicator of of great play, uh, but hey, a win is a win. They they only gave up 16 points, which is not something you expect from the Las Vegas Raiders. Um, excuse me. I mean, really, only got two sacks. One of them being Max Crosby. Uh, one of them one of them being Jerry Tillery. So you don't really. I mean, I don't know if you necessarily feel great about it, but you don't feel terrible at the very least. I mean, there's, you know, uh, got seven tackles for loss as a team, so that's that's awesome. You'll you love to see that when, it, when it's all said and done. Um, overall, a, a win is a win, and it's a division win, so uh, take solace in that. I'm not sure how good the Raiders are going to be, and I'm not sure how good the Broncos are going to be, but I think they're clearly the... Uh, the second and third teams in the AFC West, you figure out which one's sec or which one's third and which one's fourth, rather, is what I meant to say. Um, but yeah, that's don't got a whole lot of comments about that. The Raiders is the Raiders, and I don't exactly know what the Denver Broncos are this season. I think they might end up being okay, but not a great not a great start out of the gates. Not a great start out of the gates at all. Maybe the most fun game of the day uh, on Sunday. Uh, the Miami Dolphins going to LA to play the Chargers. And this one felt like too obvious of an over to take. This one felt like okay, they're trying to they're trying to trap me into something here right now uh, by taking the Miami Dolphins or or taking the taking the over on this one. I think it was like fifty two going in, fifty two and a half. They obliterated that. I mean, thirty six to thirty four was the final. The Miami Dolphins uh, end up uh, getting the win in this one on the road, crossing the country, getting a gutsy win. And I mean. Tua Tonga-Vailoa had himself a day, 28 of 45, 466 yards, three touchdowns, one interception, and Tyreek Hill had just about half of those. He had 11 receptions for 215 yards, had almost, I think he had more than all of the wide receivers uh, on the Kansas City Chiefs combined in this game. Absolute freak of nature. Jalen Waddle had four receptions for 78 yards as well. They didn't run worth a damn, but who cares? They were absolutely high flying, spectacular on offense. And I mean, it's it's not like the it's not like the Chargers were a bunch of slouches. They ran for 233 yards as a team. I mean, Austin Eckler had 117 on 7.3 yards uh, per carry. Had a touchdown as well. Joshua Kelly had 5.7 yards per carry, just a shade short of 100. 
100 yards on the day. He also had 16 carries uh, for 91 yards, though. I mean, hey, Justin Herbert got in the action a little bit. Only 17 yards on five carries, but uh, it's notable if nothing else. He didn't have a great day throwing the ball, though, uh, is the main takeaway from me. I mean, 23 of 33, which is okay. Uh, 229 yards, 6.9 yards per attempt. Nice, but not really in the grand scheme of things. Um one touchdown on the day on on the well he had one through the air and one on the ground so you know a little little bit of a mixed bag when it's all said and done uh keenan allen looked good in this one um but it really it just came down to the end man and uh, the the dolphins almost dolphins did with a with a missed extra point uh the chargers though on the very next uh very next possession vic fangio just dialed it up and they they sacked justin herbert into oblivion didn't even matter there uh dolphins got the win 36 to 34 um and if if you don't know the name now, yes, they gave up 34 points on the on the game, but you must remember, keep it in your mind to remember Javon Holland. He is one of the rising stars on defense in this league. He is a fantastic safety, maybe the one of the best safeties in the entire league. He had 14 tackles in this one to lead the Miami Dolphins, had a tackle for loss. He was, he was all over the field. I mean, Jalen Phillips had a half sack in this one, split it with Justin Bethel, um, which, by the way, another guy... Justin Bethel is a is a long time uh, special teams guy who just kind of you know made his way under the defense. Good for him uh, over there. Um, but Jalen Phillips, you got a really good pass rusher over there. I don't know where Bradley Chubb is and all of this. He got a tackle for loss, so good for him on that one. But I mean. Yes, they give up 34 points, but you got to like the the individual players flashing. You still got Vic Fangio. I think uh, throughout the course of this year, he will prove to be a very, very good defensive coordinator, as he has every single place that he has been uh, thus far in his illustrious career. Uh, hey, shout out J.C. Jackson, though. He got the one interception off of Tua, and after last year, you love to see that, especially if you are a if you were a Chargers fan. You love to see J.C. Jackson getting in the action after all the injury woes that he had uh, throughout the course of last season. Um, outside of that, though, I think we're I think we're pretty much good on this on this game. Really fun game, though. Absolutely. I mean, if you were watching this game, you had an absolute dandy of a time there uh, watching it, and it was you know everything that lived up to the hype. Uh, hopefully, we get more games like this throughout the course of the season for both of these teams. Uh, not obviously not just playing against each other, but playing against uh, throughout through the easy for me to say playing against the rest of the league. Let's keep it moving though. I think we're probably like an hour and fifteen into this thing. Like I mean. Yeah, yeah, I mean, pretty much like an hour, hour 13. I might cut a little bit out, out of there in post, but yeah, we're, we're pretty much right on that right now. But yeah, let's keep moving. Uh, Eagles beat the Patriots 25-20. to 20. Came right down to the end. For some reason, the Eagles decided to go for it on on fourth down, a fourth and short. I guess they tried to, to end the game right there, which, I mean, you had... Uh, I guess it wasn't even fourth and short. I think it was like fourth and five or something like that. They go for it. They don't make it, but uh, the New England Patriots peter out when it's all said and done, and they, they lose the game. Philadelphia wins 25-20. to 20. Uh, Mac Jones, not a bad day overall. I mean, not, not a great a yard per, attempt av- yard per attempt average at 5.9 yards per attempt, but I mean... 35 of 54, 316 yards, three touchdowns, one interception. 
Um, didn't didn't fumble the ball in this one. He looked good. He looked good throughout this one. Another guy that looked good, Kendrick Bourne, who kind of disappeared in that uh, in that that uh, Matt Patricia whatever you called their offense last season. Um, wasn't used a whole lot. And I really I really like him as a weapon. He came out there and played well. Ramondre Stevenson was getting the, the ball out of the backfield. He looked okay when he wasn't carrying the rock in his normal duties. They looked terrible running the ball in this game. Um, but I digress on that front. You can take solace if you're a Patriots fan in knowing that, okay, I think it was maybe just Matt Patricia being terrible as an offensive coordinator last year uh, that, that kind of held back Mac Jones when it was all said and done. But, I mean, credit to the Eagles where it's due. They All they really had to do was just make plays. They just made plays over and over again, and it, it didn't look pretty. Jalen Hurts didn't look good in this one, 22-33, 170 yards. Um, one touchdown, fumbled the ball as well. So not the greatest day in the world for, for Jalen Hurts. Um, backfield didn't look uh, fantastic. I mean, Kenneth Gainwell was the number one uh, back. He's out He's out this week as well against the, uh, against the, the Vikings, uh, as well as like Reed Blankenship. I think there's one other guy I'm not thinking of right now. Uh, that will, that will, oh yeah, uh, Bradbury, not Garrett Bradbury. That is the, that is the center for the Vikings. Also, ironically, out for this game. So both the Bradburys on either side of the ball going to be out for that, uh, that Thursday night game, but I digress. Um, Either way, the, the corner Bradbury will be out for the for the Eagles. Um, they they made enough uh, plays to get the job done is the main thing though. I mean AJ Brown was his usual self, seven receptions, seventy nine yards. Devontae Smith not a whole lot of big plays, but also had seven receptions, forty seven yards. He got the the lone touchdown from uh, from Jalen Hurts in this one. And I mean the defense played solid. I mean Reed Blankenship led the team in tackles. Uh, he'll be out this coming week though. I mean you got a got a couple sacks or yeah, really only a couple. I mean Jalen Carter, uh, his one tackle of a game of the game was a sack, and um, I would expect more of that throughout the course of his rookie year. He's an absolute beast. Uh, but you know Josh Sweat uh, and Jordan Davis, another another Georgia product, uh, split a sack in this one. You got ten passes defensed. Uh, which is absolutely really, really solid uh, when it was all said and done. I've said that too many times in this episode. I need to stop saying it. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to stop saying it. It's going to start right now. Um, Outside of that, though, I mean, you made a bunch of good tackles. Uh, you really just gutted out a win. Nothing looked spectacular, but you got the win when it was all said and done. Uh, the one spectacular play that did happen and was a real difference in this game was Mississippi State product Darius Slay taking a touchdown to the house, taking an interception to the house for a touchdown. Uh, that was really the the determinant in this game of why the Philadelphia Eagles won. It wasn't the offense this time around. It was the defense making plays for them, and you just, you just simply love to see it. Um, outside of that, though, we got to keep it moving because there's only so much time left in the day for this one. Uh, the Green Bay Packers absolutely beat up on the Chicago Bears. Justin Fields looked terrible. Um, he looked a lot like the Justin Fields at the beginning of last season before they started leaning into the running game. Seems like only a matter of time before they really do that. He was still good on the ground, nine carries for 59 yards. Uh, I think they just got to cut him loose. They, they just got to say, okay, here for a good time, not a long time. Let's just, let's just keep it moving from here. Um, they they did not look good throughout the course of this game though. Justin Fields looked bad. The defense looked I mean just as bad as it did last season for the Chicago Bears. 
Hammered the over, though. Absolutely demolished the over, which which I love to see from a selfish perspective. Um, but I, I digress on that front. They, they were just not good. Uh, the, like I said before in the in the lead up to the season, they will be improved. They will still not be very good. And I think that's mostly what you saw in this one throughout the course of it. Um, Darnell Mooney looked okay, but DJ Moore didn't have a great great uh, debut with the team after that really good uh, preseason run he had. I think he may have I think he maybe found something in Roshan Johnson down the down the stretch of the of the game. Uh, he looked really good in his limited reps. Got caught the ball out of the backfield, uh, ran physical, got a touchdown, had the only rushing touchdown for the Bears in this one. So you got to be excited about that. But Jordan Love, I mean, he didn't have the greatest uh, completion percentage game, but three touchdowns, um, no interceptions, didn't turn the ball over at all in this one. I mean, just a really solid, solid. Uh, initial start for Jordan Love. Uh, Aaron Jones looked good in this one as well. He had a couple touchdowns. Pulled up late with a hammy injury, but two touchdowns really ended up being uh, a workhorse for the team. Uh, A.J. Dillon, I mean, bless his heart, he just kept getting pounded in the middle over and over and over again, and he just he just took it. It, it is what it is at this point for him. Uh, he's just got to keep taking those hits, I suppose. But, I mean, without... Um, they had Romeo Dobbs in there, and he had, he got two of those three touchdowns. Uh, but w without Christian Watson in there, you gotta love what you saw from the team. I mean, hell, if Luke Musgrave didn't just like turn around and start backpedaling, uh, Jordan Love would have gotten a, a long touchdown pass to Luke Musgrave. So um, you gotta love what you see if you're a Packers fan. You gotta kind of, I mean, feel like it's Groundhog Day if you are the, uh, the uh, if you're a Bears fan in this situation, especially with the QB situation because Justin Fields did not look good. Uh, in this one, and I mean, yes, T.J. Edwards looked good. Tremaine Edmonds looked like the guy that you signed in free agency. They looked improved on the on the defensive front. Yannick Ngakwe got his sack in the first game. You would expect more of that going forward, but they just didn't. They didn't live up to the hype. I mean, they, I mean, I guess if you're if you're a Bears fan, they they didn't live up to the hype. Yeah, but like I said in the preseason, I was just letting y'all get it all out of your system because I knew at some point it was going to come crashing back down, and boy, did it. Boy, did it! And you, you know what? The Vikings lost too, but I'm gonna I'm gonna take uh, solace in the fact that the Bears lost as well. So it is what it is, man. It just is what it is, and we'll just we'll just keep it moving because we don't got a whole lot of time to burn here. Uh, I was hilariously wrong about the uh, L.A. Rams Seattle Seahawks game. The Rams dominated, absolutely dominated. Uh, Matthew Stafford didn't throw a touchdown in this one, but threw for 334 yards, 24 of 38. Um, they had three touchdowns on the ground as as a team. Did the the Los Angeles Rams? Uh, two of them were from Kyron Williams and Cam Akers. My God, 22 carries for 29 yards. His poor knees and his repaired Achilles must be absolutely killing him. I got some spittle on the monitor there, so we just gotta gotta rub that out of the way. I digress on that front, though. I mean, three touchdowns as a team on the ground. Um, only 2.3 yards per carry, but when you get three touchdowns, it kind of makes up for it a little bit. Rams look good in week one. I mean, Puka Nakua, remember the name. It's a hilariously fun one. Um, he's a rookie out there. Uh, didn't play much for BYU last season, but he caught 10 balls for 119 yards. Tutu Atwell caught six balls for 119 yards as well. Um, it just feels like Sean McVay is going to draw some stuff up, especially in interdivision games, to make up for lack of talent on that roster. That's kind of, I think, what you saw in this one. Um, Geno Smith, man, it did not look good. I think the highlight of this game for him was um, 
Aaron Donald rushing in his face and Geno Smith reacting like any rational human would by saying, oh my God, and then just basically throwing it at a receiver's feet uh, so he doesn't get absolutely killed. Still probably got absolutely killed, but um, I feel you, Geno. I probably would have screamed like a little girl if I were in your shoes, so I get it. I absolutely get it. I understand. Um, outside of that, though, I mean, DK Metcalf looked good, but I'll, I mean, not a great day from the passing offense. Not, not I mean... Uh, basically, Tyler Lockett was invisible in this one. Jackson Smith and Jigba had a couple catches, uh, tied for the team lead with three, which would tell you just how uh, bad the, the passing game was for them in this one. But didn't have great yardage numbers when it, when it uh, almost did it. Almost did it. When the game was over, he didn't have, a, have great numbers. Um, so you don't love to see that. Um, also, very much worth noting, uh, both their starting tackles who they drafted last year and they kind of hit the lottery with. Uh, Abraham Lucas is on IR now. He, he's going to miss at least the next four games for the Seattle Seahawks. Charles Cross is questionable for this week. Doesn't sound like he's going to play. Lost both of those guys in this game. And without them, boy, that is going to be a tough road to hoe. Might be a tough early season going for the uh, Seattle Seahawks. Uh, we'll just have to wait and see how it all works out for him. Uh, on the bright side... Bobby Wagner is back, and he looks like the Bobby Wagner of old. He had 18 tackles in the game, one tackle for loss. Jordan Brooks looked good with 12 tackles in this game. Uh, newly minted uh, safety for him, Julian Love had a good game, all things considered. Uh, just ended up, I mean, Boye Mafa, a guy that they drafted, I think, last season. He looked okay in this game, had a tackle for loss. Uchenna Nuosu, who they just paid, got two tackles for loss. Uh, had a couple... I mean, had had a couple solid performances, but at the end of the day, you, you look up and you gave up 30 points. Uh, that's just that's that's simply not gonna gonna win you a game. Um, but when you lose both offensive tackles on the other side of the ball, what can you really expect? What can you really expect from that? Um, on the Rams side defensively, I mean, Aaron Donald was Aaron Donald. I mean, he had a half a sack in this one, uh, made Geno Smith shit his pants, so that was fun. Um, outside of that, I mean, Ernest Jones, the other returning starter from last year, looked like he was one of the only returning starters from last year. He had three tackles for loss, led the team in tackles, uh, was an absolute freak on the field. You'll love to see that there, but... I still don't think the Los Angeles Rams are good. I think this roster is absolutely terrible. But when you got Sean McVay as your head coach and you got a, a seemingly solid quarterback back there with Matthew Stafford, the ceiling is the roof, I suppose. They're, I think they'd probably get worked over by a Dallas or a San Francisco. But within the division, they can be frisky uh, throughout the course of this season. So I'll leave that there so we can just keep it on moving Outside of that, we have got one more game to get to, folks, and that is, oh boy, this was the uh, this was the Sarah McLaughlin special of the week. The Dallas Cowboys just ran the New York Giants out of the state of New Jersey, over into the state of New York, said, they went to the state of New York, said, get the hell out of there, get back to New Jersey. They went back to New Jersey, uh, found there wasn't a home there, and then just kept going on south down to Delaware. That, that's basically what it ended up being for the New York Giants. The Dallas Cowboys just drove them wherever they wanted to, pretty much. And the defense looked fantastic in this one. They were flying around. Uh, they got a, a blocked field goal for a touchdown in the Giants' opening drive. That was really the only drive where the Giants looked good throughout the course of this game. I mean, Daniel Jones had 3.7 yards per carry through two interceptions. Um, fumbled twice, didn't lose any of them, but he was getting killed the entire game. Had sacked seven times. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, 
Saquon Barkley bottled up for most of this one. He had uh, 51 yards. Uh, Daniel Jones was the second leading rusher, had the most carries in the team with 13. Again, running for his life, had a, had a lot of QB sweeps throughout the course of this one. Um, Darren Waller was your leading receiver with 36 yards, which should tell you a lot about the uh, the offense for the Giants in this one. Uh, total, the, the Cowboys gave up 100 71 yards, just absolute dominance for the Cowboys. And I mean, on the Cowboys side, Dak Prescott didn't look great in this one, 13-24, uh, but didn't turn the ball over. That's really all you can ask for from him uh, throughout the course of this game. Uh, the, the, the running backs did their job. Tony Pollard had... 70 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, Deuce Vaughn didn't feature quite as prominently as some people might have uh, might have might have expected, but you got a good mix of backs back there. You had Tony Pollard uh, toting the rock in the lead. Uh, a guy named Rico Dowdle, who I've definitely heard of, uh, had six carries. Deuce Vaughn had six carries. Kevante Turpin, who is mainly the kick returner, he had a touchdown in this one. Also got three carries. Um, Dak Prescott even toted the ball once. He had a nice little diversity of the running attack, ended up getting three touchdowns on the ground in this one. CeeDee Lamb looked as good as ever with four receptions, 77 yards, and they didn't really need much else outside of that because, I mean, the defense was just all over the field. I mean, uh, Marquise Bell got a tackle for a loss in this one. Oso Digizua had two sacks. Dorrance Armstrong had two sacks. Micah Parsons got a sack in what I think will be the opening salvo of a defensive player of the year campaign for him. Uh, Chauncey Golston got a sack. They got seven sacks as a team, 10 tackles for loss, eight passes defense, 12 QB hits. They got two touchdowns as a team uh, in this one uh, on the defensive side of the ball. Or maybe not on the defense. They got one on the defensive side of the ball. They got another as a, as a, on a blocked field goal. I think Deron Bland was the one that got it on a blocked field goal. Um, Noah Igbenogany, maybe that was the guy who got it on a blocked field goal. No, I think that is actually the guy that got it on a blocked field goal. Uh, Deron Bland got another one. I mean, they were dominant. I'm saying too many words to just say they were absolutely dominant throughout the course of this one. And yes, Micah McFadden had 11 total tackles for the, the New York Giants, but you didn't really have uh, a marquee player uh, like really any any on the Dallas Cowboys defense throughout this game, and uh, it was just utter dominance, sheer dominance for the Dallas Cowboys. And I don't think the New York Giants are as bad as they put out on on tape on on Sunday night, but the Dallas Cowboys, boy, they look like an absolute buzzsaw. But we should all keep in mind they look like an absolute buzzsaw last season in the beginning. They kind of petered out down the stretch and then lost in the playoffs. So temper our expectations accordingly now folks uh with that said that is all for last week's games let's just quickly go through uh the games for next week i'm not going to do a full preview like i did uh the previous week but let's just pull up some odds and whatnot uh we'll just go uno momento por favor i'm going to pull this up real quick and get a quick uh sip of my caffeinated beverage be right back all right Got it pulled up. Took me a second to figure it out, but we have got it here. And uh, let's just go down the list. Vikings, Eagles. I'm looking at that one, and I am seeing, you know, it's minus six and a half for the Eagles. You can get that on FanDuel right now. Plus six and a half for the Vikings. You can get that on FanDuel as well. Uh, over, under, it opened at 51. It is now at 49. 49 and a half in some places if you're trying to bet uh, the under. That one might be what I have to add as far as a, as a bet is concerned. I don't bet on my team though, I, as far as the uh, the spread is concerned though. So I'll I'll stay away from that. 
Might end up moving on that uh, on that 49 number though. That's a, that's a tasty little morsel. Uh, we'll, we'll come back to that one though. Um, Chiefs Jaguars. That can't also be on Thursday night, can it? No. No, that's got to be a typo. That 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 can't be true. I don't know what. Actually, no. I I know what I'm looking at. I'm looking at. I thought like uh, the the time for the Vikings game, the Vikings Eagles game was right above the Chiefs Jaguars. So that that's what confused me. Yeah, it's a, it's a one o'clock game. We're on the one o'clock games now. Uh, Chiefs at Jaguars might be another sneaky overplay. Um, yes, Chris Jones is back, but Trevor Lawrence looked great last week. Travis Kelsey should also be back. So maybe at over 51 might, might be something to move on. You can get that at a bet MGM. Uh, I think Caesars as well. A lot of places have got 51 right now. If you're trying to move on that, I'll probably stay away from it. Uh, just because it's a little bit of a high number for an NFL game. And you just don't know what the Chris Jones factor or the Travis Kelsey factor means, but it's one to keep in mind. It's, uh, I think, Chiefs favored minus three and a half. You get that basically at everywhere you, you place your bets. Um, Bills are favored by um, eight and a half. You can get that at DraftKings Sportsbook. They're like the only place that has eight and a half right now. So if you're trying to if you're trying to bet on the Bills in this one, uh, go over to DraftKings Sportsbook. They are they are a full point below everyone else at this point. Uh, the Raiders, you can get that at plus nine and a half. You go to like FanDuel or pretty much every place that isn't DraftKings right now. That's a sweet number at DraftKings if you're betting on the Bills. So if you, if you feel confident about that, I don't. But if you do, go ahead and move on that right now. Uh, over-unders at 47. I got no opinions on this one either way as far as the uh, the bets are concerned. So we'll just stay away from it. Uh, Ravens, Bengals. Ravens are uh, three, three and a half point dogs. You can get that three and a half at pretty much every place except for uh, like points bet pretty much. Um, so yeah, if you feel confident either way, I, I try, I kind of tend to stay away from, uh, interdivisional games and bets on the, those sorts of things, uh, as far as the spread is concerned. So I'll, I'll, I'll stay away from that. Uh, over under is 46. And I think both these teams, especially in the AFC North, they got solid defenses. So I'll stay away from that one as well, but a solid little interdivisional matchup there. Uh, Chargers are visiting the Titans, and they are favored by three points. That's a sneaky little line like right there for the Chargers. Definitely, if you like your money, just don't bet on the Chargers spread. That They will always um, rip your heart out in the most uh, hilarious fashion. They did it last week, uh, mind you. I think they were like... Uh, uh, well, I think they were actually favored in that one, and they ended up losing. So there you, there you go. There you have it right there. Um, Tennessee Titans... The, the over-under is at 45. I might even look at like the under at 45 and a half over at DraftKings right right now. Um, I I will probably stay away from this one, though, because I don't got a great feel either way. We'll just keep it moving from here. Uh, Seahawks-Lions. Lions are favored. Uh, you can get them at minus five at Caesars right now. Uh, DraftKings, if you're, if you're trying to bet on the Seahawks, you can get them at, at plus five and a half. This doesn't feel like a good spot for the Seahawks, though. They're missing both their starting tackles. Um, you're going to maybe get a bounce back from last week, but the Lions um, could be a letdown spot for the Lions as well. I don't know. Maybe I think Dan Campbell is going to keep them um, moving in the right direction, but I don't know. You, you never know. I think that, that uh, I don't know. I don't, I don't have a great feel on this one, so I'm staying away from it. I think five and a half is just, or five is just entirely too many points. Um, so with that logic, maybe you bet on the Seahawks, but I don't feel great about the Seahawks either, so I'm staying away from that one. Over-under is 47. You can get that at BetMGM. 
um, Caesars, uh, looks like FanDuel as well. I mean, you can get that pretty widely if you're looking at the over. Uh, under, you can get 40, 47 and a half. Get that little half point there if you're looking for the under on, on DraftKings. I'm, I'm not feeling too confident about that one right now, so we'll just keep it moving. Once again, uh, Colts at the Texans. Colts are a minus one point favorite right now. Uh, you can get that at Fandle. Really, most places outside of BetMGM. If you're if you want to get uh, the best odds, best bang for your buck on the on the Texans, BetMGM has them at plus one and a half. So go ahead, knock yourself out there if you if you like. Um, I think I might actually move on this one. I think Colts minus one. Yep, add it add it to the bet slip. We already got Washington minus sixteen in the college ranks. Uh, let's get the the Colts minus one in here as well. I, I like that line. I think the I think the Colts are going to come out here and win this game on the road, get a gutsy win. Uh, I think, you know, Anthony Richardson has a good one. Uh, the running game has a bit of a bounce back performance and it doesn't look pretty, but I do think they end up winning this game when it's when, almost, oh, I almost did it again. I almost did it again, but I'm not, I'm not going to do it. All right, let's keep it moving. Uh, another 1 p.m. game. Uh, Packers visiting the Falcons. I don't know how I feel about this one. I think I'm still not entirely sure what the Packers are this season, and I like the Falcons. Uh, the Falcons are a plus one and a half, or just a plus one dog in this one. Uh, you can get get them at plus one and a half if you go to uh, FanDuel Sportsbook. Uh, but uh, I don't know. Maybe the Packers come out there and and light it up. I'm just not sure. I'm certainly not taking the over under at forty and a half. Um, so. I think probably stay away from this one. Uh, almost did it again. Almost said it again, but I didn't, folks. It's that's discipline. That's discipline right there. Uh, the Bears are traveling to the Buccaneers. Buccaneers currently favored by two and a half. And I mean, it is the Bears, so that that could be a good line. But it's also Baker Mayfield. I don't trust Baker Mayfield at all. Uh, yes, he beat my team last week, but we we also kind of beat ourselves. Let's let's not get too ahead of ourselves here. Um, Bears aren't good though, so I'll probably stay away from that one. Forty and a half is the over under. Mm, if it wasn't Baker Mayfield, I might take that. I might take that, but I am staying away. You, you, you tempted me. Maybe I'll take that up with my own hard-earned money, but I'm not going to put someone else's hard-earned money on the line uh, uh, with that bet. So we'll, we'll stay away from that. Uh, keep it moving here. Giants at the Cardinals. They're favored by five and a half, and you can get that in most places. FanDuel, it's moved to six, but uh, Caesars, BetMGM, DraftKings, you can get five and a half at, at all of those outlets if you want. Uh, if you want six uh, for the Cardinals, uh, you can get that at, at FanDuel, uh, PointsBet. Uh, there's probably others out there, but I just haven't quite scrolled that far uh, to, to see where they're at. Um, I don't have I don't have a feel on this game. I don't know how good the Giants are. I know the Cardinals are bad, but uh, Cardinals might make it a, a dogfight. And I don't know about that one. Over under 39 and a half. I, I might even lean the under on this one, but I'm not I'm not taking it. I'm not taking it as part of the bet slip this week. Uh 49ers Rams, uh minus eight currently in favor of the Niners versus the Rams in this one. Uh well, you can you can get that minus eight at Caesars, FanDuel, um points bet hell you can actually get a minus seven and a half at, at DraftKings right now that's really the that's really the best one you can go to at, at this point if, if you want to uh bet on the on the 49ers and that's just too big of a spread for a divisional game and I could very easily see the the 49ers coming out here and just absolutely mopping the floor with the Rams 
but weird shit happens in divisional games, so I'm, I'm staying away. Over-under is 45. Uh, 44 and a half, you can get that little hook there at BetMGM. Um, uh, also can get that at Caesars as well. I'm not betting the over. I'm At 45, hmm. Actually, come to think of it, I'm adding, I'm adding under 45. Uh, you can get that at FanDuel. I'm adding under 45 to my bet slip right now for this uh, Niners-Rams game just because I think the Niners are going to choke the life out of them on the uh, on the defensive side of the ball. I don't think the Rams are going to be doing very much offensively in this game. And I think by virtue of that, they will hit that 45 point uh, under in this one just by being at, as dominant as you can possibly be on the defensive side of the ball. So we have got, um, what was it? What was it I just put on? Oh, yeah, Colts minus one. We got the uh, 49ers Rams under 45. We got Washington minus 16. Let's see what else we might have in here. Uh, Commanders plus three and a half versus the Broncos, who are minus three and a half. That's that's probably the way I should have framed it, but uh, too late now. I don't have a great feel on this one. I don't know what either of these teams are, quite frankly. The over-under's at 39 now. Uh, bet that if you want. I'm, I'm staying away, though. Uh, Jets are traveling to the Cowboys. Uh, some places, the, the Cowboys are favored by 9.5. If you want the best line on the Cowboys, uh, it's at minus 8 right now on points bet. And that's, that's the lowest you're going to get by an entire point at the very least. I mean... Uh, Caesars is the next closest at minus nine right now. Uh, so if you're wanting to bet the Cowboys, go right ahead. <laughs> it's tempting just because of the whole QB situation with the Jets, but I don't know. I'm, I'm staying away from this one because, once again, weird shit happens in, in divisional games. Uh, if you want to bet the Jets, though, FanDuel Sportsbook and a lot of other books have them at uh, plus nine and a half. Uh, could be a tasty little morsel if you really believe in that defense, which it they, they looked good. They looked good in week one. I will, I will give them that. Um, Over-under is 38 and a half. Or if you're going the under 38 and a half, you can get that at FanDuel. Um, if you're going with the over at 38, one, you're a sicko, but I, I get it. Um, we, well, you're more of a sicko if you bet the over, or bet the under, quite frankly. But we'll just we'll just keep it moving from there. You can get that at points bet. Um, I think you get that at Caesars as well. Yeah, so yeah, bet bet it if you want. I'm staying away from it. Uh, Dolphins Patriots. Uh, Dolphins are favored minus three on the road versus the Patriots, and I am staying away from the actual uh, line itself uh, from from the spread, if you will. But what I am gonna do is just based on well no I'm not I'm not buying into the hype I'm not buying into the hype just yet 46 and a half is the over I came just an inch away from taking it and I might put my own harder money on that but I'm not putting y'alls on it just because the Patriots have a really good defense uh the Dolphins could come out uh, and play like gangbusters on the defensive side as well I could very easily see this hitting the under at 47 that you can get on on DraftKings right now um so I'm I'm staying away I'm staying away poison 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 I'm staying away from that one uh, for the time being, at least on the public airwaves. Uh, and for the Sunday night game, we got the Saints versus Panthers. Sickos. Whoever scheduled this one, absolute sicko. Uh, this is this, this very very much could be a rock fight. Absolutely could be a rock fight. Uh, Saints are favored by three on the road in this one. It is a divisional game, so once again, I'm, I'm staying away from it. It, not the least because I don't know what either of these teams are, quite frankly. I'm not sure how good the Saints are, and I really don't think the Panthers are that great. But again, in the division, weird stuff happens. Over-under is at 39.5 in a lot of places. You see a 39.5 or 40. Uh, you can get 40 on the under in at uh, BetMGM. 
Uh, look, looks like BetMGM, DraftKings. Um, outside of that, those look like your best options there for the uh, for the under bet if you're going with that one. I I would probably stay away from that. I got no bets in this game whatsoever. It's just I think it's going to be a rock fight. I just don't know what the what the total ends up being. And Monday night we got Browns versus Steelers, and um, I'm not sure the Browns are going to be as dominant as they were in Week One versus the 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 Bengals, but. I think the Steelers don't necessarily have as good of an offense as the Bengals do, so I, it could end up being that way. It could end up being that the Browns just come out here and dominate the Steelers as well, but the the real play, if there is any play in this game, should be the under. I'm not making a play on the under just because uh, DraftKings has got the best one at a 39, and they are the only one that is at, at set the over-under at 39. Pretty much everywhere else is at 38.5, so if you want to take the over, Go right ahead. Uh, just a general rule of thumb, I don't take overs in the AFC North because that is just, it's a defensive division through and through. Even if they got great offenses, the defenses always seem to shine through in divisional games. And hell, you saw it last week. I mean, Browns, uh, Browns Bengals was 24 to 3, 27 total points scored in that game. Hit the under by a mile uh, when it was all said and done. So, yeah, that's, that's pretty much. Um, uh, that, that that's pretty much what I'm feeling about that one. I don't have a great uh, I don't have a great feel either way. So well, actually, hold on. I just totally butchered that. The the Dolphins Patriots are on Sunday night. The Saints Panthers are on Monday night, and the Browns Steelers are also on Monday night. We got two Monday night games this week. Uh, so I just absolutely butchered that. I apologize. I, at least I rectified my mistakes before I uh, I put it out there. Unlike last week, but. To sum it up, we went 1-3 last week. We're trying to go 4-0 and this week. My bet slip is the Washington Huskies at minus 16. We have got the over... No, no, we got, we got the, the Colts at minus 1. We have got over... Let me find it real quick. Let me find it real quick. Real quick. I think I passed it. I think I passed it. Think, think I did. Think I did. I definitely did. I, I definitely did. We got it over somewhere in there, and I'll tell you what. It's a, it's a good bet. Tell you what. It's a, it's a good bet. You should take it. Uh, you should take it right now. Um, actually, no. We got the we got the under in 49ers Rams. Uh, outside of that, I thought we had an over somewhere in there. I'll have to I'll have to go back and, and look and see if I can find it again. But uh, what do we got? We got the again. So just to recap, we got. Washington Huskies minus 16 in the college ranks. We have got the Colts at minus one. We have got the under of the uh, 49ers and Rams game. I, I, I swear to God, I feel like there was an over in there somewhere that I am just forgetting about, but I'm, I'm having a senior citizen moment, so we're just we're just gonna keep it moving. I don't I don't think I had anything else uh, outside of that. So yeah, but you know what? I think we are gonna add the over of the. Uh, of the Vikings Eagles game at 49. I think uh 49 you can get that at uh Bet MGM and Caesars. We'll take that as well. So make it a four foursome. Uh one more time just to recap. We've got the Washington Huskies minus 16, the Colts at minus one, the Rams uh 49ers under at 45. I think it's it is I think it is 45, not 45 and a half. And we've got the over in the Vikings Eagles at 49. 
Uh, there you go. Happy betting, everyone. Uh, bet the beer money, not the rent money. You get it. I've already talked too long, so let's cut this thing off now. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, if you enjoyed, subscribe, leave, leave, a, leave a like, leave a subscription. Uh, do what you want. Rate, share. Do all the things that help me grow this thing and, and get it out to more of the people. I thank you very much for doing that. If you want to contact the show... Either shoot me an email at unqualifiedanalysis at gmail.com or go over to my Twitter uh, at Caleb Verzak and you can just shoot me a DM there if you want to shout out your opinions. I may or may not read them. I may or may not bring them to the show. I get uh, so little engagement now, though, you can almost be guaranteed that if you uh, if you send an opinion about the show, I'll probably just share it on here. So, I mean, there's your little incentive to go out there and get some interaction with me. Um, outside of that, doing this twice a week during the football season, college football on Tuesdays, NFL on Thursdays, and we're just going to keep it like that for the time being until I feel like switching it back again. I think we've switched it twice at this point. Could happen a third time. Who's to say? Uh, but with that said, thank you so much for tuning into Unqualified Analysis. As always, I've got no clue what I'm talking about and hand up. I don't, I don't have a fun fact today. I'm, I'm sorry, folks. I mean, Maybe my fun fact is that, um, yeah, I mean, I don't even really have one off the top of my head. I'm, I'm sorry, folks. I'm slacking. I'm not used to having these these two episodes a week, man. I really ran out of fun facts uh, quick on that one. Uh, but, uh, yeah, sorry, folks. I'm a failure. You have a good one. Uh, enjoy this week of NFL games. Enjoy the week of college games. It's going to be awesome. Uh, ride with me if you are to ride with me. And uh, accept the losses as they come because there will be losses, but we will have wins as well. Um, I'm going to stop talking now, though, because we've, we've gone very long in this one. So I will see y'all on Tuesday of next week. See ya.